You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org.
take a seat. Hey everyone, and welcome to Kensington. My name is Craig McGlasson. I am the Orion lead pastor and director of church planning. And it's now been a year since I've been a part of the Kensington community. And it's been an incredible year for me, especially given the fact that my last career path was a horrible failure. That was such a bad idea. It is 12 days until Christmas. So let's talk about our upcoming Christmas Eve service. It is going to be one to remember. It's nostalgic, it speaks to our hearts, it invites us home. In a way, I think Christmas 2020 actually reminds me of where our hearts and even our minds were at in 2001. If you think back to just weeks after the heartbreak of 9-11, I want you to take a minute and check out a Christmas Eve service from 19 years ago. making much sense right now. <laughs> Thanks for listening, though. Well, it's almost midnight. Merry Christmas. Make sure you tell Sam where I'm at. Tell him to keep low under radar. And I'll be home before you know it. I love you, Sarah. No matter what 2001 brought us, or, or even 2020 continues to bring us, the invitation and the hope of Jesus is here for us today, just like it was decades ago when our country was overcome with fear and loss, and just like it was, frankly, 2,000 years ago when Jesus entered in to redeem the world. I am really genuinely looking forward to gathering together to sing about that newborn king and to look at the Christmas story through the eyes of the wise men who journeyed far from home over deserts, through valleys, over plains, through exotic cities, morning, noon, and night. The destination was unknown, but the direction was illuminated by a beckoning star. You see, what they did is they left home and all familiar earthly comforts in pursuit of something actually in pursuit of someone. And it was a solitary star that was shining in the night that guided them to the baby king. And it was that baby, born in a manger, that was God, stooping down to love all of humanity. There are two ways that you can experience Christmas at Kensington this year. The first is in person at one of our six campuses, or watch the exclusive online-only experience that we're putting together right now. Tickets for in-person services are available at kensingtonchurch.org forward slash Christmas. The tickets are limited. Capacity is being cut down to ensure physical distancing. So please, if you plan on attending, don't delay. And for those of you planning on being home for Christmas, we're creating an online-only exclusive service specifically for you. Instead of live streaming the in-person service, you're going to get to hear from all the teaching pastors who are bringing the message to your living room. From the artistic elements 
to the iconic candle lighting, we truly do believe that watching service at home can be both memorable and meaningful. And to make sure that you have the best experience, we even have Christmas at home kits available for you to pick up at your campus. There's gonna be candles for the family, the world's best hot chocolate, a star ornament craft, and even more activities for your kids. So please reserve one of the kits for your family and find out more information about our services premiering on December 23rd at kensingtonchurch.org forward slash Christmas. Here's what I believe. This year is gonna be a Christmas to remember that you don't wanna miss. doing? Awesome. Welcome. I want to welcome all of you. For those of you who are joining us via stream, grateful for you as well, wherever you are watching us from. And just by a quick show of hands, how many of us are actually ready for Christmas? Awesome. It's probably about half of us. So it's crazy to think that it's just 10 days away or 12 days away officially, and our Christmas services will be kicking off in 10 days. And so as Craig mentioned, we'd love for you to join us for that, whether it's on stream, and if you're going to be joining us on stream, we have a very special stream, very stream-specific uh, service that we have created. Or if you're going to be here uh, in person, we have eight services at our campus, three on December 23rd and five on December 24th. And all you have to do, if you would like to join us in person, go to our app, go to our website, and reserve your tickets today. And speaking of Christmas, back in 2007, what we did was that we actually created a video for uh, the Christmas Eve services that year, and the theme that year was Christmas Has a Face. And this video featured the Pokot people in Western Kenya, who are one of our global partners, and specifically from a remote village called Kodich. And we're going to show you this video, and it really is a powerful video, and it communicates to us that even though we're thousands of miles away, we're here in Troy, Michigan, and Kodich is on the other side of the world, but still what connects us is Jesus, and that we can still continue to be family even though there's a huge distance between us. And so let's step into this and experience this together.
All right, so how much fun was that? You guys sound great. Uh, yeah, I really do remember that, that moment. What's that? Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, they reeled me in because I was actually part of that original one. So Michael and Jan said, hey, will you play drums on this? Because Mike Mullenix, who was our, our music director for years, and myself and a number of the arts team actually uh, created that years ago. And it was, a, it was a profound moment because some of our team went to our partners, which we call our family, in the remote part of Kenya with the Pokot tribe and went to Kodich Orphanage. And we had come up with some ideas here, and we thought, well, we'll take them there. And they have an incredible choir. They got an incredible choir director, actually. And they learned all those songs in English, and then we recorded them there, brought them back here. You know, I sound like uh, I'm the Grinch, but you, you, you take your house and you bring it back here, but you kind of tinker with it. But we created something so interesting, because the first time we played that, there was a profound moment in my heart that all of a sudden, the world seemed smaller. And then in another way is so massive. And you realize that God works through every people group, every culture, every ethnicity. He works throughout the world, that God is working. Sometimes we get lost in our little bubble and we forget just how big God is working. And in this tiny village, in this little remote orphanage, in this remote place of Africa, God is working in incredible ways. So we wanted to share that with you today to really give you a picture of the gospel because we're in the second week of this series called Foundations. And we're looking at the foundation of our church, which is really rooted in the foundation of Scripture and rooted in the person of Jesus. But we're also celebrating our founders. Uh, You know, this past September, we celebrated 30 years as a church. And that's kind of young in church years, but for us, we feel like we're kind of old. I mean, I know Steve's old, but, but we feel old, right? We've been, but it has been an amazing three decades, and we've had incredible leadership. And we didn't want 2020 to go by as crazy as this year has been without celebrating our founding families. Last week, Mark and Callie led us. They were our arts directors for years. That, what we just did there was really Mark's brainchild. He really pushed us to do those kinds of things. And so they shared. If you haven't seen it, man, go and watch it. It's just beautiful. Today we get to hear from Steve Andrews and Paula on video, but Stevie A is with us, so give Steve a hand. Yeah, I'm grateful that he's uh, with us today because he's, he's just kind of post-COVID. He, you've been battling some of that stuff, so thank you for coming out and, and being part of that. And then next week, we're gonna celebrate David Ann Wilson. And you, you know, if you don't know this by now, but David Ann Wilson are going full-time with Family Life Ministries on January 1st, so they're stepping away from Kensington. They've been with Family Life for 30 years, now they're gonna go full-time with them. Mark and Callie started another ministry not far from here a couple years ago. And then Steve is gonna stay within Kensington, but he's gonna transition to a different role. So it is a different you know, year, and we're going through that, and we wanted to celebrate. So we're excited about that. I'm going to share just a little bit of a thought before we go into the video, but before we do that, let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for those beautiful voices from our family, our church family, all the way in Africa. We're so grateful uh, for the leadership there, for what you're doing in that region, and how you work within all ethnicities, all culture, all people, all country, Lord, you say that you go to all ends of the earth. It's our pleasure, Lord, to enter into the work that you're already doing. We don't have to create work. You're already working. We just have to enter into the work that you're doing. And so we thank you. We thank you how you knit hearts together, how you create family. Today, Lord, would you inspire us to see ourselves as pastors and priests and church planters and people that go in the name of Jesus. Would you inspire us, Lord, 
to really feel a sense of go in our spirit and send us. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our midst. We thank you for all the things we can't even see that we may never see. We thank you that it's all in your hands and we give it to your hands, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name and say, amen. Well, I don't know if you're like me, but when I grew up, there was a TV show that I always watched as a kid, Sesame Street. Now, Sesame Street was a big deal. I mean, it was kind of strange because I got obsessed with puppets. So did my younger brother. So I think we spent like two years only talking to our parents through our puppets. It was genius in a way because we could say whatever we want and then blame it on the puppet. But that's a side story. But if you know this, every episode, there would be a number of the day and then there would be a word of the day. And so we have a word of the day today. And the word of the day is go. So on the count of three, say go. And same with you on stream. Ready? One, two, three. Go. Go. Speaking of stream, uh, we do want to welcome everyone on stream. We want to say hi. We do this every time because we know so many of you are watching on stream. So all of us here in the room, on the count of three, let's say hi to everyone on stream. One, two, three. Hey, we're so grateful you're joining us. But the word is go. Say it again. Go. Go. <laughs> Thank you. The word is go. And we're going to hold on to that word because all throughout scripture, really from the very beginning all the way to the end, there's a theme of going. There's this idea. Many times you'll hear people say, as I went, I saw God do this. Or in the going, this is what happened. Or God said to this person, go. go. I'm just testing you. You're failed. But no, go, go. And so, uh, okay, that, that's good. <laughs> and, so, and so that, get, there's this theme of going all throughout scripture and we wanna hold that today and we wanna put it in our pocket because God, I don't know if you know this, is asking every single person to go somewhere and do something. If you know scripture, you know that the Bible's laid out in a way that there's two perfect chapters in the beginning and there's two perfect at the end, but in the middle is where we live. In Genesis 1 and 2, in the very first book of the Bible, it describes God creating the universe, creating everything and speaking it into being, including you and I, who it says we are made in the image of God that we're image bearers, that God wanted to create something that actually bared his image in this world and did his work in this world. It's a powerful thing. Sometimes people walk in or you're walking on stream or you hear my voice and you don't really believe that you are made in the image of God, but you are. And that's powerful. Because many times in this world, they tell us we're made in all kinds of other images that will let us down. But this is the image of God. It's a powerful picture of what God had in plan for his creation. And in that moment of Genesis 1 and 2, in the beginning, as it paints a picture of what that universe looked like, there was complete shalom or peace between the creator and the creation. Shalom in that language of Hebrew would mean more, not just a regular peace, but a wholeness, a wellness, a completeness, a peace that was fully complete. But what we find out in Genesis 3 is something enters into the existence between God and man and creates a separation. Maybe we could call it some kind of a virus. We know what viruses do to our bodies here. We've watched what happens there, but this is more of a virus of the soul. And it seeped in and humankind decided to go their own way, apart from the way that God really desired for them. And so they started following their ways and not God's ways. And it created this chasm and it absolutely disrupted the shalom. 
the completeness, the wholeness, the peace within our souls and the connection to creator. From that moment on, even to this day, there is this story of God and man where man does their own thing and God pursues and then they turn back to God and they have this moment of shalom and then this separates again. It's this really interesting dynamic between God and humankind. But in the midst of all of that, God knew that this break needed to have repair, restoration. And so God, in his strategy of how to restore relationships, decides to use his creation, decides to use humankind, you and I, to be part of a mission, a restoration project. And it starts in that book in Genesis 12. It says, now the Lord went to a person. The Lord went to a person named Abram. Abraham is his name. And he said, go, say the word, go Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. Here's what's so fascinating about that. In that culture, your land, your home, your father's house, your kindred, that was all so precious, still precious to this day, but in that culture, so precious. It was all of your identity. And God was saying, are you willing to go from your identity to a place that I will show you? And then God says this. He says, I'm gonna show you this place. Go ahead and bring up the next scripture. I will make of you a great nation. I, God, will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that, you've heard me say this before, there's a lot of so that's in the Bible, that God is gonna do these things so what? So that you will be a blessing. God says, I'm going to bless you and you are then gonna become a blessing. And he starts to give a vision to Abraham to say, guess what, I'm gonna rise up people, I'm gonna choose people, I'm gonna fill people with my spirit, and I'm gonna actually have a mission of restoration using people that are actually wanting to be part of the mission that I asked them to be part of. And this mission is one of the great missions of the world. God comes to a person on the way to another person. This is beautiful, go pulse that the gospel is. I love how one missiologist explains this. It's one of the great missiologists, and it's a great quote of a, a guy by the name of Michael Go, Goheen. He, I actually spent time with him in Brazil. One of our global partners is Brazil, and he was speaking there at a conference that we were at, and I got to sit down with Michael Goheen. He wrote a book called Light to the Nations. I love his take on this, and this is what he says. Go ahead, bring that up. God's people... At God's invitation and command, take part in God's own mission within the history of the world for the redemption of God's creation. Mission is what God is doing for the sake of the world. It is God's long-term purpose to renew the creation. God's mission involves God's people living in God's way in the sight of all people. God's people ought to be an attractive sign before all nations of what God had intended in the beginning and of the goal towards which He was moving, the restoration of all creation and human life. God's chosen people do not exist for themselves. Rather, they exist for the sake of the world. Think about that. They do not exist for themselves, but they exist for the sake of the world, the sake of others. Do you know that there is a God that's pursuing every human being and calling people to have a massive restoration project to draw people back to their ultimate source of shalom and peace. And you're invited into that mission. 
And many times in our life we say, no, I think I'll just stay within my little mission that's here. And God's like, no, when I bless you, you are to be a blessing. And when you go in my name for my purposes, you will see something that you've never imagined before. That has always been the heart and the dream that we've had at Kensington. And that started with Steve Andrews really pressing us to say, this is not about you. This is only about Jesus. In fact, one of his great phrases is this, you can have it all if you give it all away. God comes to one person on the way to the next and he invites us into a mission. He invites us to go. And so I'm really excited about this video today. I'm really excited about the teaching of Steve and Paula and I can hardly wait to show that to you. Just before we do that, we're gonna receive our offering. And so if you've come prepared to give, great. We do have buckets in the back. We don't pass pouches right now, but we'd love you to take part of that. And then I'm gonna give you some ways that you can give. But I wanna remind you of something that started a couple weeks ago. It's something called Hope for the Holidays 2020. We know that right now there's a lot of need. And we've watched our community activate and go and serve this community in one of the most difficult times in recent memory. But we really felt like there was real tangible need in this time, and you know that. And so we thought a couple weeks ago we would have this hope for the holidays, and you could text holiday to that number. And when you would do that, uh, we would say, hey, if you have some need and you're, you need, you're, you're really struggling at this time, we'll send you a $25 Meyer gift card, no questions asked. And if you know someone in need, we'll give you a second one. The first weekend, all sold out. <laughs> we had to approve more the second weekend and more this weekend. But this is the last weekend we're gonna do it before the holidays. If you know someone, if you are in need of that, please text that and follow all of those prompts. But this is what this moment is when we take our offering. This offering is all of us coming together and give a little bit in an act of worship to God, saying, God, thank you for what you've given us. We're gonna give some back and we're gonna be able to serve. So just thank you so much for your generosity. This is how we give here. We can be kensingtonchurch.org forward slash gift. You can go to our Kensington app, of course, and uh, that's everything Kensington. Love you to text 77977. And then also you can just uh, mail something here or put something in the buckets at the end. Well, I would love you to sit back. I would love you to take in Steve and Paula. And then Steve's going to come up at, uh, with myself and we're going to talk a little bit at the end. I don't think that God has given, any, given us any greater responsibility than to be a father to our children. That requires wisdom. It requires faith. It requires time and patience. And very few men are willing to give that time. I felt the Lord led purposed me in my own heart to spend as much time with you children as I possibly could. You know how I took you to play golf and how we played tennis together and how I took you hunting when you were boys of eight and nine years of age to start you. And practically always our time was spent together. Our gear was dead. We didn't believe in good gear. So I knew I was going to be on the water on a really cold morning. It was going to be rainy probably 40s, I was gonna be freezing, I was gonna be hungry, we never took food out, and I wanted to just take it easy. I wanted to sit back and find a place of comfort. And that was probably the moment where I realized if you wanna live life, you gotta get uncomfortable. My dad could have said, okay, son, this is what he could have done. He said, okay, you just stay in bed, you sleep good, and, and you get up and watch cartoons in the morning while you, while me, me and your two older brothers go out and have an adventure and watch the sunrise and paddle into the wind and freeze our hands until you can't even move your fingers and laugh and, 
and, and share Snickers and, and bargain over shotgun shells and, ha and be a man. Or you can sit in bed and sleep in and watch Popeye. You see, that's what dads do. They let their sons and their daughters live this life instead of bringing them into the adventure of their life. It's amazing to look back, realizing what was happening in the 50s and 60s in the South and the tumultuous world that I was growing up in, but I was living a charmed life. I mean, I grew up in this family that was just built around faith and adventure and fearlessness. There was very little protectiveness in there. I can think back to third grade, getting on my bicycle, driving to friend's house, and being gone all day Saturday till dark in third grade. <laughs> you know, it was a different world. And I loved that sense of what was around the next corner. My mom's fearlessness in her love for Christ. She was serving in the inner city. She drove for the blind. She started the largest women's Bible study in the history of Memphis with her best friend, 2,000 women. And so she was just, Jesus was her first love always. And then my dad was a, was a guy that was a rare doctor that stood up for Christ. And so as I was going through elementary, junior high, and high school, I realized that most people I knew didn't believe in God very much. And it was a member of the 60s were a time that was not cool to be a, a Christian. And even the Jesus movement was... You know, we were Jesus freaks, those of us who were following Christ. But it was a time where I realized that I was made for something more than just to be happy. Our family was not about happiness, but more about purpose. So, so here's the cool thing. So when dad left his medical practice in 1968 and we went to Kenya, and I saw the suffering of the African people, beggars in the streets of Nairobi by the thousands, people, you know, dying from dirty water, which they still are people living in unbelievable situations. I realized that was the moment at age 12, it's right after Dr. King had been shot, near two miles from our house, that getting to Africa, I realized, wait a second, I don't, the world was made not for me, but for me to do something of purpose for the world. That's, that's when it really started. So I met Mark and Callie and Dave and Ann on the first Sunday of December, 1986, candidating at Faith Church to be the associate pastor. And we met, and uh, a few months later, uh, my first week on the job, I realized they were on the Faith Church softball team with me. And that moment was an instant, instant friendship and love between the three of us. But what I didn't realize is they were maybe as two two most talented people I've ever been around in my life. And it's interesting, both of them, so much like my father, in that almost indefatigable, like just this incredible drive. To this very moment, they're still charging ahead. So my story is similar to Mark and Dave's in that when I was in high school and I got serious about following Jesus, I started bringing my friends to the church that I'd grown up in. And they would sit on the back rows with me and just laugh, just mock. It just seemed completely removed from their life. And I was involved in Young Life, which was a ministry to high school kids at the time. And I remember thinking, 
if I could just let these kids see Jesus without all the weird baggage of church. And so when I met Mark and Dave, we almost immediately began to dream about, gosh, what would it look like? And of course, we'd all been greatly influenced by people like Bill Hybels, Willow Creek Church in Chicago, Rick Warren, Saddleback Valley in California were two of the great examples of reaching the next generation. On a very personal level, Kensington started because I wanted to reach my buddies for Jesus. That, if you wanted to carve it down to the really core, I wanted to reach you. Like you were, you were in my heart. Like, and, and I thought, and, and how can we become relevant again to people that thought Jesus was completely disconnected from their lives? And so Kensington then became, we, we wanted to f find people far from Jesus. And we wanted to be a church that did that. If it had been just me, it was, Kensington would have, would have never gone anywhere. I really think that, I, I said this for years, that Mark, really Mark Nelson was the straw that stirred the drink. He was so creative and so uh, committed to excellence. Dave Wilson came in and had this amazing speaking ability. But he also had, I mean, the creativity that Dave brought with Mark and Callie and Carl Nelson Sr. in the beginning that uh, that was really the magic. Um, I mean, my job was to really get out of the way. Go ahead and listen to it one more time. And make a decision and we'll go with that. Okay. Sorry, Steve. Go for it. Huge fun factor. Turn it up so we can hear that baby. And if we, dra if we had the band. I think we dress them, right. What do you think, y'all? Sunglasses for the drop? For me, the great people wasn't that they were these astounding leaders. They were just amazing partners. You know, we put, we got to, down in the dirt, shoulder to shoulder, and you know, got things done. And um, and there was this total abandon. They would do anything. They, you know, they tried anything, whatever we thought. Let's, I don't know. Let's see. Might work. It might not. I feel like God had called me to give it all, right? Lay it all out. A lot of people don't know that first 15 years of Kensington, I don't know if I missed a weekend. I mean, I just, it was our life, almost to the point where it was disruptive for our, my family. I wanted to just caution to say, I knew a lot of men and women that felt that same call, but somehow God let that become true to me. And it became true really out of a promise that I heard Rick Warren give. Rick Warren had shared the story that he was ready to quit as a pastor and someone had given him this card, said, great people are waiting to help me. And in God's time and God's way, he'll bring those people into my life. So when I look back on all 64 years of my life, literally my whole life could be summed up in two words, great people. I have really been like in the catbird seat along for the ride and great person after great person after great person God brought. When we were starting and trying to build a core team, the hardest thing was to ask people to say, would you join us to reach people far from Jesus Christ? And while we're doing that, would you put aside every preference in your life? Like just put aside everything that you think that you would like and only ask yourself one question, is this reaching my friends who are far from Jesus Christ? Joy was probably the number one weapon we felt like we had. We felt like um, 
we had all, Dave and Mark and I, and our and Paula and Callie had all grown up in a lot of joyless church environments. And we thought, man, joy, joy wins people. The value of open-handedness, I really felt like in the first year of Kensington, God gave that to me in a kind of just a time of reflection that I was trying to think about my own life, thought what had made my life, own life so incredible. And it was, it was the open-handedness of the people around me. It's my, my father was an incredibly generous, I, I've told the story that much of his adult life, he gave 50% of his gross income away. Our dinner table was always filled with people, you know, and, and my mom literally never met a stranger in her life. Every single person she met was a God appointment. And so I just thought, you can have it all if you don't hang on to any of it. You know, my, my mother, still living in 95, she would be a wealthy person today if she had all the money back from all the books she's given to people. Yeah, I'm sending this book to them, I'm writing this note. It's this open-handedness. And so what I learned is people are constantly moving and changing. If you try to hang on, you lose everything. But if you open up your hands, you get to be a part of the blessing of what God's doing in the world. I think my favorite part of it, I feel I'm seeing it um, show up in our children. Our children seem, they're just amazing the way they have opened their lives to other people and anything they have is, is everybody else's. And I just, um, I love seeing that. I think our, one of our son-in-laws laughed so hard he, when he came into our family. He said he's never been in a home where every person just walks in and goes straight to the fridge. He has never seen a home where people do that. But that's because Steve never fussed. You know, if kids came over, anything that was in the fridge was theirs. I think, you know, even, you were even really generous with the ice cream, because that's kind of your precious, you know? That's harder. <laughs> but, and I, and so creating that, and, and, and hardly even noticing it, till my son-in-law pointed that out, and then to see um, their homes reflecting the same thing. I really felt called from the beginning not to hang on to things. And again, this this interview between Mark and Dave and I would, and our wives would not be good if Wally Hostetter, Wally and Linda Hostetter weren't in the story. Wally was the pastor at Faith Church. He's the guy that really empowered us to start Kensington. He was incredibly open-handed. When I asked him uh, at Faith Church, when it was time to start planning, I said, who can I recruit? from Faith Church, was about 800 people at the time, said, Wally, who can I recruit? He says, recruit everybody. And I never, I never heard that from a church. And so a few years into Kensington, the first time was Kelly Voigt, who was starting uh, River's Edge Church in Ann Arbor. I had those guys stand on the stage with me and I put my hand on their shoulder and said, I want, I want you guys, I want all of us here for some of us to pray about joining Kelly at River's Edge. We're gonna give them some money. I'd like for you to pray about joining it. People came up to me after like, are you crazy? You're asking people to leave? These are your people. And I remember um, Eric Moore. We invited people to leave Kensington to go bolster what uh, Eric is doing at Tree of Life. The wealthiest guy in our church left. This was a person who was giving really huge amounts of money. I said, yeah, because you can have it all if you don't have to hold on to anything. And so I think Greg Gibbs and I have worked on this. I think 82 times we've put our hands on church plant, men and women who are church planters in the U.S. 
to say, we're inviting you to pray about going with these people. And then those churches have planned out of the churches. We don't know how many, but it's to the tune of probably many, many more people attend those churches than attend Kensington in as large as we are. It's pretty cool. Global Partners was the greatest blessing and call that God ever gave us. And it came through pain. It came through my bad experience as a missionary kid in 1968 and 69, where I felt like missionaries did not believe in the power of the indigenous people of those countries. And so I promised God, if I was ever involved in the world, that I would only do it serving under indigenous leaders. And so in 1999, I met Jaya Sankar, and the next year I took, uh, Paul let me take our, two of our daughters, Nancy and Helen were 13 and 11. People said it was crazy going to remote parts of India with them at that time. It was a life-changing trip for them. But that was where it began with Jaya, where I said, Jaya, how can we serve you? And so the vision became whoever that indigenous, which is a national leader in that country, said, how do we come under you? We serve you. You call the shots. We don't call any shots. We do what we can to help you reach your people for Christ. And then the most important for me personally was probably my relationship with Julius Murgor and the Pocot people. We were seminary classmates. We lost contact. We've reestablished contact over the last 20 years. It's been a great blessing and I think hundreds and hundreds of thousands of lives. I, th I think our global partners have affected millions of lives for Christ, honestly. And little did we know what a wonderful part of our life that would be. The tendency for every human being, and it's absolutely as true for every follower of Jesus Christ, our temptation is to always live in our bubble be mad at people that disagree with us, to be suspicious of someone who has a different opinion. It's human nature to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt and to judge others. And when Jesus calls us into a broader community, he invites us to step into discomfort. It's getting out of bed at 3.30 in the morning when you're eight years old to go duck hunting with your dad and your brothers even though you don't wanna go. That was why when we were starting, we thought we wanna reach everybody we can and we wanna reach people from all walks of life. And it's never been more true in 2020 to say, is, what is Kensington? Kensington wants to see people come to Christ from every walk of life, from extreme, from extreme differences. And we want those people to be able to come together and find safety in the love of Jesus Christ and in relationships with people. If you're really a born again Christian, and if you put your faith in the Lord Jesus, he's told us to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. And that is the great uh, charge that was left for all of us. Because when the Lord has given you peace and filled your life with the good things that come from knowing Him, there's no way that you can stop talking about it. Wherever you, wherever you are on the edge of life or deciding, do you even care about who Jesus might be? Jesus isn't worried about that. He's, he is running after us. God is uniquely calling and reaching out to every living human being. And his love is rich and beautiful. I would love for, I would love for the whole world to know that.
So, yeah, you said this morning that you, you didn't know that they were going to put your dad in there. So I was yeah. just curious if you could share just a little of your heart about seeing your dad speak. Well, it just, uh, man, it brings back so many great memories. What a great communicator. What a great heart he was. And um, it was really emotional because um, I got COVID a month ago at a wedding. We did a super spreader COVID wedding in Memphis, really dumb. And Man, I was sick as a dog for weeks, and my mom was in the hospital last week. She's home and, and doing better, but just very emotional thinking about of how my life is just fully an extension of those two people. Yeah. Um, they really implanted a joy in following Jesus Christ that I don't even know if I've had compared to what they've had, but, but it's certainly been an amazing journey, yeah. I just wish you would have passed down his voice to you. <laughs> I love his, his speech. Didn't he have a great speaking best. voice? Darn it's it. so good. What happened to me? I don't know. But anyway, it's wonderful. <laughs> but his, the story of him leaving his medical practice and just going to Africa, I mean, that, that's instrumental in yeah. how it formulated your thinking even for all of us. Well, I was thinking, you know, almost every year at Kensington, this year, 2020 is the exception, but for decades now, every year, seven or 800 people from Kensington would go on a mission trip somewhere yeah. in America or the world. And I thought every time that happened, that was, that was really an extension of Chubby Andrews going, yeah, I'm going to be 48 years old. I'm going to leave my medical practice. Everybody in my life says I'm crazy. <laughs> I'm going to take my kids. We're, we're going to, my brother was a high school All-American football and baseball player and they left and missed his senior year. <laughs> he was one of the best athletes in America. And we just went because it was following Jesus was the adventure of life. And you guys have joined in, thinking, talking to people here. And when I say great people, mm. I'm thinking about you, mm. thinking about just God working through people the way they were wired. And what a, what a joy it's been. So thankful for it. Well, and that's part of the, what I felt like was a paradigm shift for me when I walked in this door. I mean, you were, you were a paradigm shift because I'll never forget it. And I tell this, I've told this story a number of times. I've told it to you a number of times. But where the faith that I came by, the faith background I came from was the person on the stage, the person up there would take care of everything. <laughs> you know, that was their job. And I remember coming, I don't even remember what year it was or what we did, but uh, you were up here talking. You were, you know, come on. You know, you're giving us a deal. And, uh, and at one point, he looks out and he just says, you know what? If you're in a hospital, don't call me. I'm not coming. And I was like, what? Like, what is wrong with this guy? That's his job. He's not even doing his job, you know? No. But what you said after was the most important part. It was like, call your friends. Call the ones that are close to you. They, they can do this. They have the power of Christ in them. And you cast this vision yeah. That's found in Exodus 19 of the royal priesthood. Same with, with Peter talking about it in 1 Peter 2. Uh, I would like you to just speak a little bit. Because I yeah. think that's a unique aspect of, of well, our it Well, it's beautiful because it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to say to you, I'm not your priest anymore unless you're my priest. <laughs> like it's, it's us together. It's you doing what God made you do and me doing what God made me to do. And it's all of us being the body of Christ. When the body of Christ comes together to work in power. In the video, I don't know if you noticed when Mark and Kristen and Carl were planning the, they were planning this thing, Mark's rocking probably Davy in, in the little holder. And the next thing you see 
is the song is on the stage. Yeah. That was because there were dozens and hundreds of people making it happen. And I want to say to all of you that are listening that my dream is not what I can do. My dream is what can you do? You're empowered by the Holy Spirit. There's nothing stopping you from being yeah. what Jesus wants you to be. And when we're that together, we're unstoppable. Oh, yeah. absolutely. No, it's beautiful. And I, I've always felt that. That's why that I love was... following you now. Now yeah. you're my priest, man. <laughs> oh, no, you're you in trouble. You need to absolve me. <laughs> Please. <laughs> that's, that's bad news right there. But, I, you know, so I, I, I think that is the shift that I've seen. And, and I love that we empower the community, that we're, yeah. that we're together in the mission. Yeah. Uh, I would be curious from your uh, angle, now that you've, you look back 30 years and now you're looking into the future, you know, what do you see? What do you yeah. see for next generations? What do you see for, for the future? And well, I don't know what I see, but I can tell you what I hope for. I really hope so much that we will empower those of us that are older, we'll empower the next generations of people to follow yeah. Jesus Christ in new ways and new expressions. And I just want to remind you, a lot of you were there in the beginning, but some of you weren't, a lot of you weren't, is that everybody hated the idea of what we were doing. <laughs> and everybody in the Detroit area that we knew was mad at us for starting Kensington and the way we were doing that. We got really hardly anything but criticism from the broader community for many, many years. And a lot of it was deserved, by the way, because <laughs> we made a lot of mistakes. But I thought, I hope that there are fearless men and women God's raising up to say, I want to reach my generation. I want to reach my buddies. I want to reach my girlfriends for Christ. I want to reach the people at my office for Christ. How do, you, how do I do that? The Holy Spirit will show us how to do it. And I want to spend the rest of my life encouraging that. The other thing that hit me before I finish that is that there's a movement of Christ happening in the world that in our, I think still in my lifetime, is going to greatly affect America. Hmm. There's a depth of belief in following Christ among African Christians and Indian Christians and Pakistani Christians and uh, Palestinian Christians and Brazilian Christians. Is that this global church is going to be beautiful. And I, and I am looking forward to the day when we're in heaven together and we see Kensington was about so much more than just Troy or Clinton Township. We were a part of a movement of God in the world. Oh, man. And, and when I came here year, you know, 20 years ago, it was always about this little bit of this world surrounding me. And, and when you start to see God working in the world, it's incredible. And today, uh, it's really, we're excited because we're going to show you a video in a second. Uh, we're going to talk to Jay Lucarelli. He is, he is our uh, global director, our new global director. And he is going to introduce to you the 11th, our 11th global partner. And it's a unique one. It's a unique it's one, really the way that it's going to work. Normally, it would be a person in a country. This is a little bit different. It's a collaboration of local churches in Michigan reaching out uh, to the world in a very unique way. Which I want to say, that was a lifetime dream of th 34 years ago, that we, would, we wouldn't be a church alone, but we'd be a church with other churches. In the last 10 or 15 years, the churches in Detroit, in the greater Detroit area, urban, suburban, we are collaborating like never before. There's a joint partnership, and this is a, this is a true fulfillment of that. Absolutely. And I love you because you're really helping lead that. It's a beautiful thing. Hey, before we watch the video, I do, I do have to say to you, I'm, just, I'm grateful for you and grateful for your leadership. I mean, this kind of leadership is very unique. Um, Thank you. You're, I've watched you empower people all the time, and I'm, I'm, I'm a recipient of that. You believed in me. 
you empowered me, you opened your hands, you, you corrected me <laughs> sometimes, but you really have mentored me and helped. And uh, you've been a great leader in, the, in these 30 years. And it's incredible. Uh, just being in a little bit of the executive uh, position that I'm in now, I, I can feel the level of weight that you've had on your shoulders for three decades. Yeah. And it's humbling. And, and uh, really, thank you so much thank you. for everything. And I'm thankful for you, man. I love your, I love your courage and fearlessness. <laughs> All right. You're great. Good, good. You're awesome. All right. Great. Hey, uh, why don't you pray before we, before we watch the video? Lord, thanks again for this. Um, this was a really sweet day, a really sweet privilege. And thinking of all the people across all the Kensington campuses and across the world that our partners, some of them will watch this too, that of the love that we have found through your salvation, that Jesus, you didn't leave us alone to be lost in this world, but you've given us life and purpose. And for every brother and sister watching on the on the stream and for everyone that's here, Lord, let them know how much you love them, how much you want to work in their lives, and that with you in us, working through us, there's nothing we can't do in Jesus' amen. name. Amen. Amen. Let's check this out together. Well, here we are sitting with Jake Lucarelli, your brand new global director and director of global partners and so we're grateful for that this is a new position for you so thanks for being here no i'm excited today we're going to be announcing something special but uh but before we get into that i'd love for you to talk a little bit about your background yeah i actually started um in real estate so my family built homes and um did that for a long time and really loved it um but felt like god called me to ministry um through a relationship from like 20 years ago. Uh, it was actually uh, the partner that Kensington has in, in Kenya. Oh, wow. Um, so that was my kind of first taste of, of missions, where I got to see indigenous leaders leading and um, and sharing the gospel with, with their own people. We have a passion to move out locally, nationally, but uh, we've always had a passion, almost since the beginning, to move out into the world. Sometimes when we say the word global partners, it can be a little mysterious. What does that mean? We have 10 of them. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to, to, for you to explain what is a global partner? Global partner, it, it's, it really is, a, like I said, a partnership where we're, we're linking arms with a, an indigenously-led ministry that's focused on church planning in a holistic way. Um, so some of our partners are doing that through water um, and church planning. Others are doing it through anti-trafficking. Um, where churches are actually coming or being planted um, as a result of rescuing girls from, from being trafficked. Unlike any other place that I've, I've seen, Kensington really comes underneath the, the leadership of, of the partner working um, in the, their local context. The, the word partner is really important um, in, in the strategy. We've learned so much in, from our partners and um, okay, okay, well maybe, they, maybe we should have done it this way instead of that way. So the, the listening process has been really key um, in, that, in those partnerships as well. During COVID, it was really shocking to see how uh, the coronavirus really affected our global partners. I'd like to, you to talk just a little bit about some of the things that we saw during this time and how we could engage with them. To this point, no, none of our partners have had COVID. So the, the problems that they're experiencing, really, they're related to the pandemic, but they're not related to the actual disease. Where they've been struggling is because of the, the shutdowns in all these areas, 
food insecurity is a big, Huge. big issue. Yeah. Um, so the distribution of supply chains, where the, the food isn't getting to where where they need, um, where the people need the food. So the, our partners have been able to step into some of those situations and, and do food distributions. In South Sudan, we did seed distributions uh, where people are able to grow their own food. And so that kind of brings us to, to this moment where we have 10 global partners, but we're adding an 11th. Usually we would partner with a region or a country, and we would have one particular leader that we would come under in that region. This is a bit different, but it plays into everything we just talked about. So let, let's announce that. Our 11th global partner is called the Timothy Initiative. Um, and they are a ministry that um, trains people how to disciple other people uh, with the goal of, of planting churches. So we've been working with the Timothy Initiative in Kenya and more recently in South Sudan uh, for a couple years and just seen tremendous success. Um, almost 200 groups planted in the last two years. So we've, we're partnering with a number of churches in Southeast Michigan to plant 3,300 churches between now and the end of 2021. Our portion of that is 750 of those, of, of those churches. When you look at what they've accomplished, um, almost 84,000 churches um, and a, about a million and a half people coming to know Christ through, the, through their efforts. They're huge numbers. That's huge numbers. They're functioning out of Second Timothy two two, right? And that's that's the model. the The leaders are the Pauls. They recruit the Timothys, and then the Timothys recruit Tituses, Tituses yeah. and then it just kind of goes from goes from there. We're working in two different um, states in northern India, in the Hindi Belt. Just remarkable leaders that already have. The, the Paul's in place and the they've already recruited the Timothy, so they're ready to hit the ground running. The idea that we could partner with all of these churches around Michigan to come up with this idea, I think the actual number that we are shooting for as churches is 3,333 churches, but there's a reason why that is, you know, that number. Why is that? The reason it's that number is because it's a, a cost $300 to plant each church. When you divide a million dollars, which that's what the goal is right. between this consortium of churches, um, that we're a million divided by 300 is 3,333 churches. When I hear that, that number of 300, now I start thinking about the 82 church plants or so, over 80 church plants that we've been a part of nationally and in this region, our campuses, even our families. So can you cast a little of that vision because that just fires me up. Yeah, when you're talking a million dollars, that seems so unattainable right. for, for most people. But when you break it down to 300, that's very accessible. That works out to, what, six bucks a, a week? Um, if somebody wants to, to plant a church or a family wants to come together, whatever group that you're in, or even as an individual, you're able to make a huge impact in, in the lives of, of somebody that you might never, never meet, but that is gonna have an impact on the kingdom. So it's so exciting, number one, to be partnered with a number of churches in Michigan, but then also knowing that it's not just happening around the world, we, we could have a very tangible uh, part in that. Yeah. So it's, it's just, that part of it, to me, just pumps me. Yeah, up. the collaboration piece of it is just exciting. And that's emotional to me because I went to Nepal with you. Mm -hmm. When we got up to the villages, it's, it, it, it's these remote places. Yeah. So when you say that there's an initiative that wants to reach all of these villages, I see faces, I see families that served us food, that waited on us, that welcomed us. Man, I, I can't tell you how emotional that is to see a whole mountainside, a whole region reached by Jesus because 
of a collection of people that really want the gospel to spread to remote areas. I was with some of the TTI leaders in uh, at a conference in South Carolina this fall, and it was amazing to hear their vision um, for reaching their community and the region of the world that they're responsible for. The only reason, only answer to reach these places is making disciples who make disciples and disciple makers who plant churches. And this is the only way that we can reach this huge number of villages. And partnering with other organizations, like-minded people who love to church, plant church, who love to make disciples, is the only way to reach India and region where we work with the gospel of Christ in our lifetime. In this season, it's been a wild year. There's a lot of stories that have come out of our global partners, but I'm curious if you have one that has really permeated your heart that you can share with us. I was talking to Ruben Maricol, our partner in South Sudan, a couple weeks ago, and he told a story of um, a lady that he met uh, while they were doing food distribution in South Sudan. And this lady um, had walked, you know, just miles and miles to get, she had heard that they were distributing food and uh, there just wasn't anything available in, in her area. So um, she made the, the trip over to where the food was being dist distributed. But when she got there, all the food had, had already, was already gone. Um, but there were still a, a number of people that were, you know, milling around that hadn't started, you know, walking home yet. And this lady was just distraught. I mean, she had walked all this way, um, she didn't have any energy, she didn't have any water. She was just in really bad shape. And this group of people that was there saw this, this, this woman and were just filled with compassion. And so they were, even though they needed the food that they received, they were like scooping out portions of their food and, wow. and giving it to her. They had found a sack um, and um, she had food for like two or three weeks um, because of the generosity of, of the people around her. And um, it was just super humbling to hear that. Um, you know, all that, that I have, like, would I be willing to, to give some of my last grains of rice to, to help somebody else? I hadn't heard that story before, so it's like, I'm so emotional because that is such the picture of the gospel. You know, when we, that image is how it works. Could we all take a little of what we have and see the need and give it? You know, that is that is it. it. We when we come together as a collective, we have so much power as a community to yeah. change the world. And it's not just financial, but it is. It's our resources, our time, our energy, and our finances. And when we get to this time of the year, I'm always like, that's the vision. That's it right there. And you see it all the way across in one of our partners in Africa leading the way for us. I love this conversation. I I, I love how you lead. I'm so grateful to be in ministry with you, and I'm so grateful that you would share your heart. I'm excited about the Timothy Initiative. I hope that all of our people are as well. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. So as I watch Danny and Jay finish up talking about a new global partner in northern India in the Hindi Belt, in a place where the church of Jesus is going to explode among people that we've never met, we may never meet them, but Jesus Christ is moving and we get to be a part of that? Are you serious? Most people are living lives of just getting by from day to day. We as a movement get to be a part about seeing Jesus change the world. And when you make a year-end Christmas gift to Kensington, you're investing in precious men and women and children of Northern India. 
and all over the world. And when I think about this, I honestly say, this is what we do. This is who we are. We never were born as a church to exist for ourselves. We were exist to be something more, to reach outside of ourselves. And one of the joys of these years has been the fact that we live for the cause of Jesus Christ in the world. We live for people, even those who are farthest removed from us. So as we come to the end of a really tough year, isn't it amazing that we get to highlight remarkable things that most of us never dreamed we get to be a part of? And I wanna ask you directly to make a year-end Christmas gift to Kensington. Let's stay on this mission. Let's be on this journey. And someday when we enter into heaven, it's gonna be filled with a multitude of diverse people who are gonna go, thank you for loving us and bringing us to Jesus by your generosity and your compassion. What a moment that will be. And what a joy that we get to live that life now, seeing what Jesus Christ is doing in the world. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what God is doing in all spaces and that we could have a small part in all of that as a movement? It's just so moving to me. It's always been the attractive nature of not wanting to just be here, but be go. You know, Jesus, to his disciples, just before he left, Matthew 28, gave the great command. You heard Chubby Andrews say that. And he says, in the very beginning, before he gives the charge, he says, all power and authority has been given to me, so now you go. And there's that word. What is it? Go. go. That we have this command to go. We have this charge to go out into the world and impact. And even in these times that have been so hard, we've watched people go with this year. And so I'm just so proud of this community, proud of the generosity in this community. And so thank you so much. I echo Steve. I really, you know, we've been, we were really bold at this time of the year to say, would you pray about investing in this particular uh, movement at the end of this year and do a Christmas gift for Kensington? Uh, when you walked in, you should have gotten one of these catalogs. If you did, I'd love you to take it out and just look through. If you need one, when you leave, you can get one. Uh, but when you leave through this, I want you to know something. This is our heart. <laughs> As you go through all of these different ministries, all of these global partners, in fact, the Timothy Initiative is in here, so you can read more about that, and you can go through all of our global partners. But as I look through this, I see people's faces, just like in Nepal. I've been there three times, and every time I think of this Timothy Initiative, I see families, I see people in need, I see people. In fact, you know, it's interesting when you go there, uh, they greet you and they say namaste. When people become followers of Jesus, they say jayamasi. And when you're trekking through the mountains, when, pe when you get to a community of people that are following Jesus, if you, you, know, when you, you know it because they look at you and they bow and they say, J-M-S-E. And you can just see these villages being taken by Jesus. It's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. So we get to impact the world. I love you to think about this, pray about this, meet with your family, ask God. That's the thing we always ask. Just pray about it, ask God. In the back, you'll see all the ways that you can give in different ways. But please, I'll be part of that this year. Well, we started with Kodich and the orphanage in Kodich and our global partners leading us. We want to actually end today and move into a moment where they're going to guide us once again. And so we're going to hear from these beautiful leaders all the way in Africa as they talk about this season, this season of Christmas where light came in to the world, the true light. And so let this follow over you. Take this in.
And those words, here I am, I'm available, I say, yes, Lord. I feel like that is the attitude and it's always been the perspective in the heart of our founders. It's one of the reasons why we are the way that we are as a community and so grateful for that. And so as we continue on in our series, we're gonna be wrapping the series up next week by looking at Dave and Ann Wilson's story. So we wanna invite you back for that. And we also wanna invite you back for Christmas as well. And whether you're gonna be here in person and if you are, grab your tickets online. And if you're gonna be on stream as well, we have a fantastic experience for you. But thank you so much for being here, everyone. Have a great, great rest of your weekend. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.